Welcome to the Creative Coding Podcast, episode number five. Number five. five. <laughs> um, today we're going to talk about game design, and we didn't. You didn't introduce ourselves. Oh, sorry. Um, you are Sebley Delisle, <laughs> and you're Ian Lobb. Cool. So, should we just wrap up things from last week then? Yes. Someone wrote in the comments about yeah. F- um, Philippe or Philippe, I don't know how you say it, from uh, Flash Develop team wrote in saying we kind of forgot to mention that uh, Flash Pro has an integrated code editor now. What would he care? I know, well, He's there you go. He's one of the Flash Develop guys, he doesn't care about the Flash IDE code editor. Yeah, but he's an all-round nice guy. I mean, why? Do, the whole reason for Flash Develop is just done purely out of the love of Flash, right? And to get a tool out there for people to use, they don't make any money off it. Yeah, sure. So what else from last week? Um, that's about it, really. Cool. Someone's someone's asked talking about shoot 'em up construction kit in the uh, in the comments, which is a nice yeah. memory. I never used it. Oh, it was good. What was it on? Uh, Amiga and Atari ST. Ah, it's a bit easier than Amos. <laughs> so how have you been, Ian? I've been really good, actually. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I just had a big check clear from a client, which was like a dollar's check, and they take six to eight weeks to clear. Yeah. And so I was like on tenterhooks, but it's finally cleared. I get uh, I get my American clients to pay by PayPal now. It's a lot easier. Yeah, I've, I'm moving over to that as well. But well, I mean, obviously not... PayPal are evil. Yeah, but not everyone's that up to speed with all that kind of stuff yet. It's, it's new territory. Mm. Like not all my clients are on Skype even, even the ones that work with me internationally. So Really? Yeah. Some people, we just do email and phone calls. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what, do you fax them stuff as well? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I write them letters, airmail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, not really, but yes. So tell me, you have been in... You went, Did we talk about South by Southwest or not? Oh, no, we didn't, because last time we recorded, I was just about to leave for it. Okay, cool. Well, tell me about what happened, all of that good stuff. Oh, it's stupid. It's just stupid. I didn't get this. <laughs> it's too big. It's right. like 20,000 people, I think, for interactive. Oh, really? So, like, you'd look at the schedule and there'd be like 50 things going on at once. And you're like, well, I don't, I don't know. So you'd just hang out and drink coffee instead. That's that's funny, isn't it? It's like, given that much choice, you end up not seeing anything. Yeah, and anything that you've, you're sort of remotely heard of would just be so oversubscribed that you won't be able to get in unless you arrive half an hour early. Yeah, now that's a real shame. I, I think, like, lots of conferences have that problem, don't they? Like, uh, there's no room that can take, like, the big speakers for, yeah. to fit everyone, which is a real shame. Yeah, well, for the keynotes, they'd actually broadcast them to the other hotels. Right. Which is just, I guess that's fair enough. At least everyone can see it. Um, but yeah, it was just a bit daunting. And like, and if you go with like a group of people that you work with or that you can hang out with and you just all move around en masse, I think it's probably the best way to do it. But because I've got so many groups of friends, I spent half my time just oh. trying to find where they were. Um, right. Oh, and, okay. And like, as soon as you leave a hotel building, you know, because I didn't have uh, data roaming or anything like that, I was instantly out of touch with everyone as soon as I left a building. So I'd just be like going back and forth between hotels to try and pick up my tweets and stuff to see where people were. And then all the parties, like they were all they were all free drinks and everything, but they'd just have massive queues. So I sound really grumpy, but it was I still kind of had fun, and I met mm. some cool people. 
And ha- how did your session go? Oh, it went really well, even though it was kind of probably the furthest away venue. <laughs> so it's like you had to walk down this street, which was really quite a scary street full of people that looked like drug dealers and right <laughs> and criminals. And so I just thought I'd have no one. But actually, the room sat like 500, and I think it was probably half full. Right. So it was really good, and I got loads of good feedback too, so and I that, was pleased. And that was a workshop where everyone was following on with their laptops? Or... Yeah, so the, it's quite funny, because it was a two-and-a-half-hour workshop, but of course it was HTML5 Canvas, most of the stuff. Yeah. And within half an hour, everyone's battery had run down. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, so funny. So yeah, basically ran down everyone's batteries. So because they weren't sockets, obviously, for that many people. Um, no, they they weren't. And well, they might have been, but I don't know. I guess people just brought their laptop along. Oh. JavaScript programmers probably aren't used to hammering their CPU. So, so no. Hard. So did I see some like uh, kind of DOM based stuff somewhere on your website? Yeah. So there's a couple of um, there's a couple of demos, and this is something I'm going to be experimenting more with, but. Um, it's it's generally a good idea to use DOM objects for simple stuff. And for a test, I made my particle system with DOM objects. Yeah. Um, and it runs really well on, on iOS. So that's the reason, really, you turn mm. on. If, so have you compared the two on your iPad? Well, Canvas is really slow on, on the iPad. Um, yeah. Even the new one, which, did I mention I got a new one at South by Southwest? Um, I knew that, but the audience don't, so. Yeah. Oh, we won't talk about my iPad. But well, no, I mean, you can say, is it any good? I mean, It's good, yeah. It's just a, an update, really. So it's not like, wow, it's so exciting. It's just like, it's smaller and lighter and faster. What is really good is GarageBand. It's amazing. Mm. I've been having so much fun with that. Yeah, you're recording Africa, right, on that? <laughs> yeah, that's right, yeah. Yeah, so Chris Pelser challenged me on Twitter to record Toto's Africa, only with an iPad. And I've just been so, so busy on some other projects this week that I haven't had a chance to look at it, but I haven't forgotten. It will happen. Cool. We need, like, a theme song as well, don't we? Yeah. I so- tire of our theme song, no offence to the guys who wrote it. It is a lovely ditty, but I think we need something that's more us. Well, once I've done Africa, I'll do some theme songs on the Garage Band on the iPad. Cool. And we can have a selection. Well, maybe the, when, the week that you finish Africa, that can be our theme tune <laughs> for that week. Yeah, I'm sure there's probably copyright issues with that. Hey, whatever. It's yeah, fine. That's okay. I mean... It's weird. Is there everyone on YouTube does cover versions of things, and that's not perceived as a huge copyright thing, is it? It's yeah. I think this is one of those really awkward areas yeah. where um... because I mean the law. I mean in in like England and Wales and the UK and such, the the laws are all ridiculous. Like you can't play a cover version in a pub and things like yeah. this. And that's that's the same worldwide, as far as I know. Um, you know, I, really, think, I think the US is just generally a bit better with a lot of these things, though, aren't they? I, I don't honestly know, but there are some things where they have like a fair usage policy or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Like they they have a concept of fair use, and they also have like protected speech and things like that, which we don't have in the same way. One thing that's interesting about the American laws is uh, they have like a parodies are exempt from copyright. Oh, so, yeah. so if any kind of song, you can just do it as a parody song, use all the same notes as long as you change the words. Yeah. And, you know, make it silly. That's interesting. Which is why that guy, Weird Al Yankovic, all the songs are the same, right? Yeah, if exactly. we get a comedy sketch show like not the nine o'clock news or something that's showing my age um, but they used to do songs which were kind of very close to actual songs, mm. but not really. 
they just change it a they bit. They just change yeah. the notes and the chords a little bit, but have the same sort of sound. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? It's something the world needs to sort out, really. Copyright is a huge problem, isn't it? It is, because you can't live with it and you can't live without it. And talking talking about copyright, did you see, I read an article which was, I think was an interview with um, Tim O'Reilly. Right. And he was saying... Uh, basically that they release all their stuff DRM free in the knowledge Mm -hmm. that it will get pirated because obscurity is far worse than being pirated. Which one's Tim O'Reilly? The guy that runs O'Reilly Books. Oh, right. Okay. It is Tim, isn't it? I hope I haven't got his first name wrong. I'd be really embarrassed. (laughs) Mr. O'Reilly, the book guy. Yeah. So so you're saying their ebooks are just like PDFs? Yeah, they're just PDFs copyright free. And of course they're pirated all over the place, but aren't all ebooks? Probably. I don't read don't e-books, really. It. I don't get on with them. No, I prefer sort of flicking through the pages of a real book. Yeah, that's okay. But what I don't like about real books is carrying them around. Yeah, but then how often do you go to a book these days of any kind? I just use Google if I want to know how to do something generally. I don't know. I still I still find books, like a good book, a good technical book, I think is a really good way to learn stuff. Mm. There's sometimes some knowledge that is only in books. Yeah. Like I know in game development, there's this game development gem series. Oh. And it runs to about 20 books. Yeah. Uh, and that kind of is where all the kind of arcane knowledge of game development is. Yeah. Like you won't find it on the web. It's all in these gems books. Sure. Speaking of learning, I've been learning open frameworks the last couple of weeks. Okay. I, mean, I dabbled in it a bit before and we had a few presentations, but actually making a project is quite different. We should definitely do an episode about open frameworks and get some of those guys in. Yeah, you'd have to get someone who knows more about it than me. Yeah, no, we'd definitely do that. We'll get, we'll, we'll see if we can get one of the actual open frameworks guys, the people that are part of that team. Cool. I've met a couple of them. They're just so helpful. You know what? It was pretty hard. There's quite a steep learning curve just in terms of using a C++ compiler and just getting a million errors when you've just left out a semicolon. Yeah. That's kind of really tough. And I spent two days just kind of banging my head against a brick wall. But you know mm. what it is about these open source projects is that the community is so good. They're so, you know, they're so supportive. Yeah. And also, I think there's a kind of con- conceptual change in my attitude as well when I know that the people that make it just do it for free. Like, yeah. if you're getting pissed off with, with action script, you're like, oh, Adobe. <laughs> but if it's sure. a whole team of people doing it for free, you're, I'm much more sympathetic. Yeah, no, it's true. So what, what kind of um, dev environment are you using for that? Xcode. All right. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. So I'm doing a project with a choir, a hundred piece choir, live projections onto the choir, which respond to the sound and the motion. Sure. Doing that this week. What are you doing over there? It sounds all like you're... Sorry, I just moved, tilted my laptop screen. Sure. But we're meant uh, to be talking about games today, aren't we? Yeah, um, we are. So, I mean... I'll just go into my bit, shall I? Should we, we won't wait for Ryan. Let's oh, see. Yeah, I mean, I did add, add... Well, should we introduce that? Like, say that we have a special guest. No, in case he doesn't, <laughs> in case he doesn't dial in. We'll just stick him in once, if he if he Skypes me. Okay. He, I've, I've added him. I'm not seeing him yet. We could tweet him. It's untold ent, isn't it, on Twitter? Okay, cool. Okay. Well, so you, you, you have something to say? Yeah, so basically, I was—I um, kind of mentioned it briefly uh, in the last episode, but um, I've been working on this game called Owlspin, which is now finished and is available for sponsorship on Flash Game License. Um, mm. 
and I kind of learned a real a huge amount doing it really um it started out just as a kind of throwaway idea um to do a game that was a bit like uh Kiri Kiri Karirin um say what now kind of, <laughs> which was an old game on the Game Boy Advanced okay um which was kind of like you were a rotating stick that went around a maze and I kind of took it in a slightly different direction where you're you're this owl and you've got slightly shorter wings and so you're a kind of rotating object basically and you have to navigate okay. your way around and there's various obstacles and things to collect and stuff but um yeah I learned really a hell of a lot doing it uh I mean the sad thing is I, I still haven't seen your game because I don't have a flash games license account Oh, well, you can make one. You should just go and make one. Okay. Yeah, it's a real shame. There's lots of people on Twitter who are like, I want to play it. Yeah, I guess that's what what the problem is, isn't it? If you hold it back for a sponsor. It is. I mean, it's going to be hard. Yeah. And when the thing is, if everyone plays it on there as well, when I come to try and pimp it, when I launch it, uh, everyone will be like, yeah, we've seen that. In. Yeah. And I'll get no retweetage or anything, but there you go. So what have you learned then? Um... I've learned that one of the things I've learned is that level design kind of takes quite a long time. Yeah. Good level design, for sure. Well, any level design. Yeah. But obviously you want it to be good. Yeah. But just the, the sheer process of doing it. So if you're really trying to kind of knock out a game quickly, you need to do some kind of procedurally generated levels or some way to kind of make the game progress without you having to design content manually. Sure. Because it's about, it's about like level design. If, if you've got, I mean, if you look at the Nitrome games, right, they all yeah. seem to have like about 50 levels. They do. And they've got that whole sort of model set up. But for, for me, like level design, well, we, we, Plugin Media, you know, the games we make, our levels take ages to make one level because it's, it's about, um, well, we don't generally have 50 levels. We'll tend to have like five or fewer, but we still make sure that there's the, the, the difficulty level, the gradient. Mm. is is gradual yeah and also testing and just making sure it's fun yeah yeah absolutely and the difficulty was something that i really had uh you know had to put difficulty a lot of thought with. into on this <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very good Sorry, because i mean i had the game tuned so it was a nice challenge for me but then obviously i played it a yeah. lot that's a really important thing about making your own games is that by the time it comes to release it, and this, this happened to us in one of our clients, um, in fact, it was for the soccer shootout, the Philips one from years ago. Yeah. Um, and at the end of it, our client was like, yeah, it's really great, but can you make it harder? Right. <laughs> and I was like, we've been playing this constantly for the past three weeks. We are the best in the world at this <laughs> game. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, that's... That's exactly how it happens. So and, what I did in the end was I took my 24 levels and I duplicated them all. Yeah. And then I went into them all and made them easier. So now there's 48 levels. The first 24 are like kind of quite approachable. And then the second 24 are my original 24, which are like for experts, basically. Brilliant. And so that way I've got a nice gradient. Uh, but the only problem with that is people who pick it up quickly, the 24 easy levels... They kind of get it after about 10 levels. It's a very and difficult then... thing to get right, isn't it? It is hard, yeah. I mean, I mean, one of the things is uh, on Flash Game License, like I've just had a, a bid for a, a kind of a non-exclusive license, like a site lock, yeah. which is basically where you're just selling it to a site to host on their own site with no outbound links. So it's basically if they just want an unbranded version or with their own branding, but it's not the kind of main version that you put out and spread on all the portals, basically. Does that mm. make sense? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, so you I make mean, a special version just for them. Yeah. So basically I got an offer of one, which is like from a kid's game site. 
Okay. And I think with the old difficulty level, I don't think I ever would have got that bid. Very interesting. Because, you know, kids are not uh, as kind of, even though they love games and they do get games, then they, they're not as dexterous and coordinated as like, you know, a 30 year old game developer is. Yeah. Well, certainly the younger age great ranges, but we're always astonished at how quickly they do seem to pick these things up now. I know people say that, but I mean, I was always terrible at games when I was like that age, say eight or eight to ten. Sure. I would, lo- you know, I played a lot of games, but you'd really only ever see like the first kind of couple of levels because you just weren't good enough to ever get <laughs> past them. So, is the game? It's like a maze game, and you're going, you're spinning around inside this maze. What's the what's the purpose? What's the aim? You just have to get through the maze. You have to collect stars as you go around, but you have to kind of get to your nest. Okay. And there's like bats that attack you and there's different power-ups that like reverse the direction you spin or make you go faster or do various things. So there's kind of semi-puzzles in there as well. Yeah. For example, like there's one bit where you have to, there's a power-up that stops your wing spinning. So you have to get that to squeeze through a certain gap. Interesting. Um, but yeah, it was a, re- uh, a really good experience. I mean, one of the things is I did all the artwork myself in Flash um, in kind of a de- about one day yeah. to do all the art. And everyone has loved the art so far. I've not had one negative comment about the art. What sort of style is it? It's kind of vectory. You can see a picture of it um, on my blog. Okay. But it's just vector art, basically, just drawn straight into Flash. And, yeah, people kind of seem to like it. And so it just goes to show that, you know, of all the things I got comments on, I was expecting maybe more things on the on the art side like yeah you know maybe the art isn't that developed but you know people seem to like it so you know simple vector art seems to be a really good way to go i think there's a lot to be said for gearing the style of your game towards a style that's like gonna be faster to make right yeah absolutely yeah i mean the problem with say certain techniques like digital painting is like very laborious yeah um pixel art is also quite slow i mean it can be fast but the problem with pixel art is if you decide you want to change the sizes of your graphics at any point mm. or you don't like the zoom of your game you're kind of stuck with it yeah and that can be a, a real huge problem sure so are you um, going to talk about like the other offers that you've got and are you going to talk about figures or are you going to keep that private um i might do some post in the future in fact i probably will where i say how much money it made and stuff but at this stage it's still being bid on so i don't really want to like yeah go into that too much sure but, um, I, I just say at this point, um, it hasn't covered what I would. It hasn't covered my costs basically, mm. but it's still in active bidding. So, do you think there's something to be said for releasing it and then having a success with it before you try and find sponsorship? No, because once you kind of put a game onto portals, that's it has a very short shelf life. Yeah, and developers want to get that. I mean, sponsors, sorry, want to get that initial buzz. Basically, that's the bit they want. That's the bit that generates kind of traffic for their websites yeah sure so it's that initial buzz that people want to um, maximize yeah i mean because you know ultimately like the way the flash games business works is it's all about the there's an element of kind of wanting to be associated like portals want to associate themselves with the best games yeah but more than that it's just about generating traffic back to your portal through links inside the game so obviously if you put something on a portal all that traffic will go to say your website or it might just, you know, get wasted, and then you'd never get that chance again, basically. So mm. it is all about that short time after you launch. Sure, it's not something I've ever really done. Well, I've, I released like uh, those two Lunar Lander games, and they're just on my on my website, and they 
you know, they regularly get like 20,000 plays a month. So just sort of, but I don't really promote it. I don't, I think there's some Google ads on it, but I make pennies from it. So it's not something I've really done very much from. Mm. Yeah, I mean, so you could get way more traffic back to it if you uh, posted it basically on portals, like put a prominent link to com on it and then kind of upload it to Newgrounds, congregate all those portals. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you don't always get, it's not always worth the effort, really. I think it, I mean, I want to do like more and more of these kind of independent projects and less and less client work. Yeah. I mean, I still want to do client work because some of it is quite enjoyable and uh, is kind of a, a safer way of making money. Sure. But, um, but yeah, I, I would like to do a bit more independent development. And so it's a kind of new new area for me, really, new territory. Sure. And there is, it's a really different set of skills than just developing stuff for clients. Yeah. Because when you do stuff for clients, you've just got to get it past their kind of, uh, you know, their requirements, basically. And once you've done that, it's, fu- it's fine, that's done, you get all your money. Whereas for a kind of independent project, you have to make something that's really good on its own merits. Sure. And it's it's a real meritocracy, isn't it? It really is. And there's no rules. Like there's no, you can't just go, if I do A, B and C, it's going to, it's going to be successful. Sure. I mean, I guess it's kind of like having a number one single, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You can't quite figure out what that exact formula is. You've just got to try stuff and hope that you have a runaway success. Yeah. But then it's the same thing, kind of you need a hook or whatever, don't you, to your yeah. game. And what, one thing is thematically, even though I thought that my owls game would be a kind of dead cert because, you know, you've got like angry birds, you've got tiny wings. So a kind of physics puzzle game based on birds kind of seems like it's going to be a winner yeah but then so yep. the thing is about those games is that they're mobile games and maybe the flash portal audience is a slightly different audience who are maybe a bit younger more interested in guns and zombies less so in birds <laughs> well so we thought um i've got some news ryan is online and Ha-ha. he's ready to to join us Do you want to introduce Ryan then, Ian? Okay, so we are joined by a surprise guest. It's Ryan Creighton from Untold Entertainment. Surprise! Um, I think it was a surprise to Ryan as well. (laughs) Feels like it. Um, To to kind of get you up to speed, I was just talking about um, my game Owlspin, which is currently up for for, uh, kind of bidding on Flash Game License and the kind of design decisions and stuff that I made on that. do you want to introduce yourself properly, Ryan? Oh gosh, uh, there's not <laughs> Ryan from Untold Entertainment. Just about sums it up. I'm uh, I'm a game developer. I've been working in the industry for over ten years. I used to work at a big uh, kids media conglomerate that owned a few TV stations, and I was making uh, mostly advert games and, and kids games for them. And then I left and started Untold Entertainment, and we've been at it for over three and a half years. So we're doing a lot of fee for service work, and we're trying to take the money from that and pour it into uh, uh, you know our own development. So we've got a few small games out there that we've done mostly in you know weekend game jams uh, the toronto game jam called toe jam um but we're really trying to you know launch our own ip and it's 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 a struggle sure so that's kind of a similar thing to what ian's going through right with your owls yeah absolutely yeah i mean my main business is doing stuff for clients but i'm trying to work out kind of what can be successful in independent development and uh, yeah, yeah i've kind of <laughs> it is and i've recently kind of come to the conclusion that things like guns uh, generally are more more popular than not <laughs> I've isn't, heard that. Isn't this one of your things, Ryan, that you don't like guns? Uh, I'm a... I don't want to call myself a crusader. That's a bad word to choose. But I'm... Uh, it's weird. I was raised 
differently than most dudes I meet. I uh, I was uh, I was an only child of a single parent mother who absolutely abhorred violence, like mm. just hated it. So I was sort of I don't know, you know that scene from A Clockwork Orange where they just sit, you know, sit him in a theater, prop his eyeballs open, and make him watch horrible movies. Yeah. I you know I don't know I was I was conditioned against violence. So I, I mean to give you an example, I don't know if you guys remember the old King's Quest game, um, but there was a goat in the King's Quest game, and you could have a dagger. What you're supposed to do is is lead the goat to this troll. Uh, you know, spoiler, but if you haven't played the game, it's been 25 years. Give me a break. But uh, so not you know the it's like a Billy Goat's gruff thing. So he knocks the troll off the bridge. Uh, you, alternately, you could take the knife and you could stab the goat for like zero points and just for the kick. Um, but I felt so like when I when I did that in the game, I felt sick to my stomach. And I mean, there were like three pixels of blood on the screen. But I mean, that's that's how you know you know opposed to violence I am. So I mean, for those who like it fine, I've got a different stance when it involves uh, kids, but uh, it's not my thing. I mean, I think that's that's really interesting because I mean, I my most of my gaming experience is on eight bit machines as well, really. So the sort of casual games that I've been building in the last few years kind of suits that. But occasionally, I'll step outside of our cozy little simple casual game world and play like console games. Although to be honest, even my console games experience is really out of date. Like the last game I really remember playing solidly was Grand Theft Auto Vice City. <laughs> You know, so that was a good few years ago. <laughs> yeah. But um, I found some of that, although it was sort of slightly comic book styling, I still found the violence in that pretty difficult to stomach. Well, what it, what it really gets me about the violence in something like Grand Theft Auto, this is weird. Like, I played I played Crackdown, which you could say is, you know, the same genre. It's an open-world thing. It involves crime. You know, you can drive cars, free-roaming. You can run people over. But there was, like, a crucial um, philosophical difference, I think, between that game and, and Grand Theft Auto. In Grand Theft Auto, you can go to a shopping mall and mow down moms, you know, and that's that's all right. The cops will chase you or whatever, but you're a criminal, and, and just innocent bystanders can be, you know, blazingly killed. But when you, when you go to Crackdown, down, um, you're supposed to be, a, I know how the game ends, but you're supposed to be a cop, you're supposed to be a crusader for good, and um, when you, you know, if you run over civilians, the game chastises you. And just that difference alone made it palatable for me. It's it's, sure. it's interesting. So I guess the message in, like, Vice City is, haha, isn't it fun? We can do a drive-by. That's what it feels like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... The thing is about that, though, it's about how desensitized you are, really, to screen violence as opposed to real violence. I'm not very desensitized to that either. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm completely desensitized to screen violence. Obviously, real violence turns my stomach as well, but I can pretty much watch anything. I don't like stuff like Saw, but other than that, as long as it's like... Do you, do you watch horror films, Ian? Um, I'm not really into horror films, no. I kind of grew up on things like Jean-Claude Van Damme movies where, you know, you like See, but that's six different guys though, onto I mean, meat hooks and stuff. Yeah, but Jean-Claude Van Damme, he's, he's like, he's, he's flip-kicking the bad guys. You know, he does yeah. a split kick and he kicks two du dudes in the face. But those dudes deserved it because they were, I don't yeah. know, kidnapping the president's daughter or dealing <laughs> drugs or whatever. But mom at the shopping sure. mall, for God's yeah. sakes. Well, I mean, so Gears of War is okay for you then, right? Where you're chainsawing up those... Yeah, it's not my thing but those Mutants. are those are bad aliens for sure and bad aliens <laughs> gotta buy it i mean that's i mean that's our company <laughs> that's our company philosophy we have you know a list of five things that we five principles that we stand on and one of them is non-violence in gaming with the caveat barring the presence of zombies because i think zombies <laughs> gotta die frankly i mean we can't just let them roam about it's fine isn't it i mean i always used to play like the shooting games at the, at the arcade and i'd much prefer it if it was zombies i was killing instead of soldiers mm. oh for sure for am sure I just, am I just a bit wet? 
I, I, I think you're probably in a minority, but I don't think it's worth. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I kind of agree with that. Like, I, I don't really play the games where you can just, you know, senselessly go on a rampage against civilians and stuff. I don't really do that. What's funny is, um, Amanda, my wife, she, if I play like Fable, I'm, and she's in the room, I'm not allowed to take the bad path at all. <laughs> Basically, so, you know, the idea of Fable is you can either be a good a good kind of hero or a bad hero. And uh, so there's, there's normally kind of two ways to, to do each kind of bit of the game. And I, if she's in the room, I always have to do the good bit. She's like, again. Man, here's a crazy story about Fable. Uh, I was I was down at E3 the year that it was uh, released. And I was in my hotel room, you know, watching American News. And uh, that was uh, that was the day that, uh, I don't know if you guys remember, uh, Daniel Pearl, the, uh, the journalist, was, I guess, over in the Middle East. And he was beheaded on camera. And so, you know, we had this lovely, lovely video of, of him getting his head cut off. And I was like, you know, completely, I, I don't know, that just, you know, kind of rocked my world. And I sort of like stumbled into E3 kind of, you know, with my eyes glazed over. Mm. And I was, you know, trying to get it together. And I was looking at all the game devils and stuff. And these guys were like, check this out. You know, it's our new game. It's great. It's called Fable. And he goes, let me show you a vertical slice, you know, later in the game when you you really get all your powers. And, you know, he's, he fights these guys in a forest. And he goes, check it out. You can cut their heads off. <laughs> and yeah. I was just, you know, I almost barfed. <laughs> So, I mean, the link, I don't know, the link between real violence and screen violence, Ian, you say there's, you find there's a difference. I I don't know, call this a minority position. When I see somebody buy it in a game, I'm thinking, what's their backstory? Who's that guy's mom? You know what I mean? You know, what is she sad sure. about that? Like Austin Powers style. <laughs> Which, what's what's the moment in the movie? Oh, it's the, the henchman gets run over by a steamroller. I think it's Rob Lowe. Oh, yeah. And they're like... You know, no one thinks about the family of, like, the henchmen, <laughs> basically. I guess I'm the guy who thinks about the family of the henchmen. <laughs> I thought it'd be, I thought, well, I thought it'd be really interesting, and I think this has been done before. I heard a mention of it uh, just recently, to do a game where, you know, it's this big open world game, there's hundreds of, of you know, mindless civilians just sort of wandering around. You can mow them all down, but with every single one you kill, you get, like, a backstory. <laughs> <laughs> like a really, like brutally detailed backstory about all their hobbies. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not sure that's gonna really add much to the dynamic of the gameplay, is well, it? That's, that's so what it just shot someone. Uh... Hang on a second. We're just gonna play you this video of the best moments of their life. <laughs> Well, you know who did it? It was, uh, you know, to a lesser degree, it was uh, somebody who was telling me Metal Gear Solid, again, a game I don't play because I'm a wuss, and whenever those little white exclamation marks appear, I pee my pants, so I can't, I can't handle that game. But, uh, yeah, apparently there's a moment in, in Metal Gear Solid 3 when you walk through this chamber, and it's, it's, it's stacked with all the people that you killed as ghosts, and you just had to walk by them. Oh, so if you were, Yeah, if you're really, uh, really gun-happy in that game, you've got a long walk. <laughs> That's funny. So do you want to talk about... You're probably sick of it by now but um kind of what happened at gdc with your little prank <laughs> I, I heard you had a little spike on your blog there right uh, oh a wee bit yeah like 30 grand <laughs> it was like flatlined your stats yeah it was it was uh that was good that was good it, it kind of makes me wish i had you know adwords on the blog <laughs> so, well yeah, um, you would have earned ten dollars from that probably. yeah exactly ten whole dollars uh yeah i could have paid for the subway ride back from gdc uh yeah so it was it was funny I was just at this uh, at this session. I, I go to it every year. Or I try to. It's uh, like a rant session. So it's the same. Usually the same crew every time. It's it's uh, uh, you know and it's funny. It's the same crew that you see at a number of panels. So I'd seen a bunch of these people from panel to panel to panel to panel. So you know GDC. It's a bit of a club, and you know 
you get who you know to speak. So I understand that. But yeah. so same kind of folks, you know, uh, Chris Hecker and uh, who was up there, Ian Bogos and a few others. And they were just going to rant about social games. And so they were handing a coin to everybody on the way in. And I thought, oh, what's this? So I grabbed the coin and I went in and I saw on these two big screens. Mind you, it's a, it's a, it's a massive room. Have you guys been to GDC? Uh, no. no, I haven't. It's just cavernous. It holds 1,100 people. So it's this just huge room and two big screens up the front that explained that um, by the midway point of the session, whoever had collected the most coins would get to do a special you know, guest rant. And so, you know, I started tingling because I thought I didn't want to do a rant at all because, you know, I, I'm okay with public speaking, but that was a bit much. But I did want to win the game, like really badly, because I just, I don't know, there was something about showing this entire international conference full of game developers that I could win a game. I don't know, I don't know what was up with that. But I had missed, there were earlier sessions in the week where they had done some board gaming and people were playing games here and there, and I hadn't been able to play a game all week, so I was kind of Jones for it. So um, I grabbed my coin, sat down, and I looked around, and I thought, okay, uh, what do I have to do to get all these coins? And I pictured myself campaigning and walking around and, you know, you know, really trying to sell myself. And then I saw uh, Jane McGonagall stand up, and she'd spoken on a few panels before, and she's all into gamification. She wrote a book. She was just up here in Toronto, and she did a big thing, you know, 50 bucks ahead. You come here to talk and get a book, and she'll sign it, all that sort of stuff. So, you know, and she was on the Colbert Report, too. So her star was really rising, and I saw her get up and start campaigning for coins. So I thought, you know... I wondered I wondered for a second if it was, you know, set up, because there were other sessions I saw where some of the speakers did stuff, and it was, you know, surprise, surprise, the people involved were the people in the club, right? So yeah. so I thought, you know, there's no way, there's no way I can compete against against Jay McGonagall. There's just, there's just no way. So I thought, you know, how else, how else can I be in this thing? So I just walked to the door where the CA, that's a conference associate, like a volunteer, uh, young guy, they're mostly students, <laughs> impressionable, darling, rosy-cheeked, <laughs> no, bright-eyed. Easily manipulated. <laughs> Ready to be deceived, yeah. Sheep to the slaughter. No, that's horrible. He was a, I feel so bad. He was a nice guy. He was a really nice guy. And uh, I just, you know, I said to him, you know, there's a bit of chaos around GDC, especially when sessions are transitioning. Um, so I just came up to him, kind of wild-eyed, and I said, hey, listen, you know, uh, Chris Hacker, you know, one of the speakers up there, said that he only wants half of the room to get coins. So uh, he just wants me to grab the bag and run it back up to him at the front. Uh, and I sort of said it with urgency, like he needs to hand me the bag, like, now. So the guy's like, okay, no problem. And he hands me the bag. And so I was holding the bag, and I turned around, and I'm like, oh my god, <laughs> how easy was that? Like, no, f he didn't put up a fight, no argument, no nothing, and it's because he didn't know much about the coins either. He just, yeah. I guess, just before the session, they said, here, hand these out to everyone. So, you know, he's just, you know, following directions from, from everyone. So, uh, you know, I, I walked briskly back to my seat, looking at this room full of people, and I thought, oh my god, I have all the coins. But that's, that's some seriously <laughs> impressive social engineering there, though, right? <laughs> now, that's what I thought, but I mean, it's funny, the discussion that that erupted after I posted the article. Somebody said, you know, just because it's a social game and social engineering has the word social in it doesn't mean the two are necessarily connected. So, yeah. but, you know, honest, I don't know. Though, I mean, I, the way I saw it was, I don't think you cheated because they never said, and don't go and ask the guy for all the coins. Yeah. Right? True. They just said, true. they just said whoever with the most coins, right? So, yeah. But I, I mean, I, feel, I, I don't see how you broke any rules. Maybe you broke, you know, some social conventions. So, so what happened then, Ryan? 
Well, I was just going to say, I mean, they don't say in Monopoly, you can't win by punching grandma in the face and flipping the table up, you know, but you know, like you say, there are social conventions. So I, I was sitting there and I was freaking out and I took, the, I took the bag of coins and I put it in my knapsack. I just started sitting there biting my nails and I couldn't, I couldn't wait to tell people. So there were a couple of people around me. So I said to the guy next to me who had been a speaker at one of the sessions, I said, I have all the coins. And he said, what? I said, I have, I, I have all the coins. I took, I have the bag. I have the entire bag of coins. And he goes, you have, sorry, all the coins? I said, yes, I took them all. He goes, oh my God, what are you going to do with them? I'm like, I don't know. He goes, are you going to do a rant? I'm like, uh, uh, I don't really want to. I just, I, I have all the coins. They're, I have them. They're mine. And I was freaking out a little bit. And then I heard from the front of the room, um, one of the speakers was saying, uh, what? So, what do you mean somebody took the bag? <laughs> well, well, where is it? Well, we'll get, get it back. <laughs> you know, so then it was like total... <laughs> Was like there just one like, bag then? Or, no, surely, actually, there were... every door, there must have been a separate bag of coins for every this door. This is right? the funny thing. There was one door. <laughs> and I found out later there were two bags of coins, and I had out only grabbed the smaller one. So yeah. there was another CA handing out. So I thought that I had deprived this entire room full of people of the coins, right? So yeah. I thought I was, you know, really going to piss the speakers off. But uh, apparently there was a second bag of coins, and what happened with that was uh, an- another guy walked up and tried to do... Oh, this is what it was. He walked in, and they didn't give him a coin. Um, so he... He, he walked back up to the to, to the CA and he said, can I have my coin? And the guy thought he was trying to scam him out of one coin. He yeah. said, no, no, no. Everybody only gets one coin, buddy. You know, go sit down. And he said, no, no, no. I, re- I really didn't get my coin. Can I have my coin? He's like, come on, nice try. So then the guy was frustrated. So he grabbed that bag and took off running with it. But uh, they went so, and hunted. So and somebody stole the big bag of coins Somebody too. stole the big bag of coins. Yeah. So, I mean, it was, it was definitely on people's minds to steal these bags of coins, right? So I don't think it was a, you know, I don't know if this is an online game, it would be one with sort of weak security. Um, so yeah, so I was just, I was sitting there and my heart was pounding and I saw the CA sort of walking up and down the rows kind of looking for me. And yeah. so I thought, you know, what am I going to do? It was like a total, uh, like born identity moment. Was I going to take my shirt off so I'd look different? I'd have a different undershirt on, a different <laughs> color, or, you know, I don't know, was I going to fashion a mustache really quickly and <laughs> stick it in my face? Uh, but uh, he, he actually, he didn't find me and the session started. And once the session started, I knew, you know, I'd gotten away with something awesome. Yeah. So it went dark presumably at that point. What's that? The, the room went dark. It did, yeah, and they started doing the rants, and they they announced too. They said, you know, oh, you know, halfway through, we're gonna see who has the most coins. And I was really confused because I thought they would have called it off at that point. Nobody has coins; they can't really run the game, you know. And I, I've been there pretty early, so I caught I caught it by about half the time half the room had walked in. So uh, they did a couple of rants, and they got to the middle part of the session, and uh, and the speaker, went, the MC, went up, and he said, you know, okay, everybody, uh, you know, it's time to play our game. Who has the most coins? And so you know, somebody's like, oh, I, I've got, I've got five coins and somebody's like oh I got 20 coins and then Jane McGonagall proudly stands up and says you know I have so many coins and I could see relief on the on the faces of the of the speakers and the and the MC because they know Jane right yeah. it's like oh thank goodness the person who won is someone we know we can trust her to talk and we know she's not going to embarrass anyone including herself so uh, yeah so just as she was you know you know getting it all together I I thought man it's my moment so I, st- I grabbed the bag from my knapsack and I stood up on the chair and I held it over my head and I said, I have the entire bag of coins. <laughs> and <laughs> so, 
<laughs> Everyone looks at me, and you know, a few people booed, a few people cheered. One person shouted out, "What are you, Zynga?" And uh, <laughs> it, was, it was pretty good. And the speakers, you know, the speakers are like outraged. Well, you know, it was mock outrage. They weren't, you know, truly, truly mad. But you know, yeah. it was all in the spirit of fun. And they said, you know, oh, you know, should we let our? What do you think, everybody? Should we let our cheater speak? And they had these little like Facebook like buttons, you know, with a thumbs up, and yeah. they were using that to sort of, you know, do a thumbs up, thumbs down. So all the speakers kind of turned theirs upside down. They said, no, he cheated. Boo! Let's not let them speak. So I don't know. It was all, you know, everyone was caught up in the moment. And I told them, you know, I said I socially engineered your social game. And I was worried everybody thought that I, you know, punched the CA in the face and grabbed the bag or whatever because people didn't know the details at that point. Um, so they told me to sit down. And then one person on the panel said, you know, he, we don't even know that he has any coins. He's just got a plastic bag. And uh, I really took exception to that because I had all the coins. I mean, I had them. I had them all. All the coins. And he was accusing me of not having any coins, but I had all the coins. So I thought, man, nuts to this. So I picked up the bag and I, I started dumping it on myself and showering myself in coins, <laughs> you know, just as a really demonstrative, I do have all the coins kind of thing, right? So, you know, showered myself in coins, they're, you know, flooding the floor and falling on my seat and everything. So it was, a, you know, it was, a, it was a good moment. A lot of people had to laugh over it, but they still decided after that not to let me speak. So defeated, I sat down, they let Jane McGonagall up, and Jane McGonagall actually had, you know, she's a big pro-women in gaming kind of thing, <laughs> I shouldn't call her a thing, a kind of woman, she's a woman in gaming, pro-women in gaming kind of woman, yeah. and so she had met a couple of women before the session, and she said, oh, you know, we really need more more female voices, so do you, you know, do you two want to come up with me and do like a really short little, little thing? So they said, sure. So she brought her two new friends up with her, and they each said, you know, she, Jane McGonagall took maybe a minute and a half, and they each took 30 seconds. And, uh, and then they all sat down. And so uh, so the session went on. And then, you know, sort of uh, three quarters of the way through the session, um, the MC came up to me and he said, uh, listen, you know, from the end of the role, he goes, do you still want to do, you still want to do rant? He's mouthing it to me. And I said, uh, yeah, yeah, uh, sure. I thought, once, once the next time I'll be able to speak at GDC? Probably never after now. Uh, <laughs> he said, you still want to do one? And I said, yeah. He goes, okay, okay, look, look, look. We're short on time. You got to keep it, keep, keep it short. Keep it to 10 words. 10 words. 10, 10. He, and he mouths 10 words. He holds up his fingers. 10, 10, 10 words. I'm like, uh, yeah, 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 10 words. And he walks away and I'm thinking, words. what the hell am I going to say in 10 words? Like, you know, all the official ranters, they got five minutes. Jane McGonagall took maybe a minute, minute and a half. Even her, you know, even her, her, her buddies who came up with her took 30 seconds apiece. I thought, 10 words, my God. Um, so I went up there. They called me up at the end. You know, they said, we're going to let our cheater speak. Um, so they called me up and I, I went and I grabbed the mic and I went up there. And this isn't on camera, by the way. It's not in the vault because the everything was happening on the floor then and the cameras are stationary and they were poised to, to take everybody who was up at, you know at the podium so I'm down on the floor and uh, I looked at I looked at the uh, at the MC he's he's down the row um, and he's you know he's mouthing 10 words keep it short 10 words and he's making the like the cutoff sign at his neck you know swiping his hand across his neck like ah you know so I, I looked at the microphone and I looked at him and I thought man when am I gonna get a chance like this again you know nuts to your 10 words and I just talked for as long as I damn well pleased. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a brilliant story. So we, we lost Ian for most of it. He lo he missed most of that. Sorry, I know I oh. I know the story. It's brilliant. Oh, that's okay. It's... Let me retell Ian. Yeah, let's, so let's, let's, go go over. Ian. let's start over. <laughs> so, so, Ryan, 
Ryan, you also have a kind of another strategy for conferences, don't you? Which is you ask a question at every session you're in. So yeah, the strategy of the conference is, uh, and it's funny because people come up to me afterwards and they see stuff that you know they tape and put in the vault and and they have uh, backlogs of things and and uh, you know people come up, they write me and they say, oh my god, you were like you were you were in every single session at that conference that I saw. It's because I I am. I mean, every single session I go to, I make a point of coming up with a, a well-reasoned question. I I always when I walk into the room, I sit near the microphone um, so that when they say you know it's it's question time everybody got questions so I always pop up and I'm really close to the microphone so uh, you know and I always ask a question and I always before asking a question introduce myself really briefly and, and what I do and then I ask my question and I found that that is really effective because you know you've got a room full of you know in that case it was 1100 people but it could be 200 it could be 400 and you say to 400 people on microphone I'm Ryan from Untold Entertainment we make flash games for kids yeah. and you know suddenly anybody who makes flash games for kids or who wants flash games made for kids or who's heard of me and wants to talk to me or you know any anything they now know what I look like uh, and they now know where to find me so I found it's a really really good um, promotional tool and it only takes you know three seconds and I don't ask I try not to ask vapid questions so it's not like I'm abusing the privilege of the mic or anything but yeah I found it's a really 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 good technique do you, do you only do it for, for self-promotional reasons don't you just uh, like being involved? What other uh, yeah, man? When I was at university, uh, <laughs> I uh, yeah, I admit I'm a I'm a. I, do you guys do you have a, a, a locally branded uh, version of Sesame Street over there? I know they no. franchised it. No, you guys yeah, didn't watch. We've Sesame got Street. we've got well, as far as I know, we've got the original. Oh, okay, but I haven't okay. watched it for for years. Well, one of the things that they say on Sesame Street all the time is they say you know you need to ask questions. Asking questions is a good way to know things that you don't already know or something like that. So they they repeat this throughout the show multiple times a season so I really took that to heart when I was a kid and I would just <laughs> ask questions and I, do you guys read Rudyard Kipling have you ever read like uh, the Just So stories um, yeah a long time ago yeah yeah a while back eh? so there was uh, there was one called The Elephant's Child and he talks about The Elephant's Child having you know being full of uh, insatiable curiosity and he asks questions all the time that's how he gets his nose stretched out by a crocodile so <laughs> you know some good things some bad things but I really <laughs> took it to heart and I, I drove my classmates insane in university because I would just ask question after question after question after question, and the poor prof wouldn't even be able to get to what the you know the the material was. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, you're that, you're that guy. Questions, but I'm that guy, right? <laughs> Every class has one, but I mean, I you know the way I figured it there, and it was pretty selfish in university, but but I thought you know how much am I paying for this course? Uh, I'm I'm gonna you know I'm gonna milk it. <laughs> I'm, gonna get, I'm gonna get my money's worth. I was just going to say, I do a lot of speaking and teaching, and I, I do like it when people ask questions, obviously within reason, but certainly at the end of a presentation, it's like, you, you sort of go, right, that's it for now. Is there any questions? And there's just like mm. cricket sounds. Oh, you know. that and that is the worst. I mean, a, a couple of things I learned, when a speaker finishes speaking, you got to clap because it makes you feel better. It makes the speaker feel better. And, you know, with this, this pause before a pause, it's terrible. And if the speaker asks for questions and there are no questions, the speaker feels really bad. So, I mean, I make sure to ask a question just so that every speaker will at least get one person who sounds like he's interested in yeah. what the topic was. But, but you know what, also I do think that, I mean, and of course there's a, a great variety of speakers, but there is a way that you can help the audience, because an audience doesn't necessarily feel comfortable about clapping, they're worried that they'll do it at the wrong time, or, or, or you know, so you've, as a speaker, you, there's a way that you can give that signal to say it's okay to clap, and I'll, it's, I, don't, I can't really <laughs> what, define what it is. Is it a bow? Is it a deep bow? No, no, not at all. But it's like it's the tone of your voice. It, it's like I've seen some speakers who just end by going something like, "Well, that's I, I guess oh, that's, that's pretty yeah, much that's... all I've got." 
that's the so, worst way to end. So is there any? Yeah. <laughs> you know, but if you go, so so the alternative would be to be to just it's it's all in the tone. So it's like, so you finish off and you have a big conclusion, and then and then you say, and that's 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 the end of my talk. So thank you. you yeah. Know, you sort of yeah. build it up a little bit. That's the end now. So that's all all I've got time for. Thank you very much. You go up, and then it's like yeah. everyone clap. Now I don't know. I and you really think you think it's all it. in the in the actual pitch of your voice going up? You think that's? I don't know. It, I think so. Yeah, I've never yeah. thought about it. I just know that I do something to 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 signal to the audience that it's okay. Well, that's reciprocity, finished. right? If you thank the audience, and they're obliged to thank you, and they thank you. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's a good technique. I'm gonna yeah. use that. Yeah, you should. <laughs> as soon as somebody asks me to speak somewhere, if you show a demo and it doesn't get a clap, you say no afterwards. <laughs> and then they and then they clap it. Yeah, oh, but that's really? what you do. That's what I've, I've seen people do before. it. I've seen people do that. Yeah. Some sometimes it's just a question of wills, a, a battle of wills. <laughs> so you'll play something, and then at the end you'll just sort of stand still, sort of look at them, and just stay quiet as long as you can. And then they're well, another, another interesting thing is it only takes <laughs> it only takes a couple of people like whooping and clapping it up in the audience to make the whole audience yeah. follow them. I'll never forget like one of the first presentations I did was I think in Flash Forward and I had John Davy, the guy who runs Flash on the Beach, and Nikki Merritt in the audience, and they were just I don't know what they were making their own entertainment, but they kept laughing and shouting and screaming, and it <laughs> set the tone for the whole audience. It was brilliant. Yeah, no, that's nice. So I right, it was in reaction to anything i was doing i think they were just having a little party <laughs> ryan you're you are you trying to get more into speaking and stuff well this is the whole reason i don't know if you fellas know but last september i uh i became a published author which was like a huge i mean you know knock it off the bucket list kind of thing i was so thrilled about that i wrote a book on unity 3d uh the game engine and I, I heard tell from a lot of people that writing a book isn't isn't worth the money. Like you just you don't recoup the amount of you know blood, sweat, and tears you put into the development of a book. So, but they said you know it does have uh, you know residual benefits and, and and it has other perks. And they said one of the perks is that you know you get a lot more respect by by being able to say you're a published author and you get more speaking gigs. And I thought, man, I would you know I would adore having more speaking gigs. So I thought that that was uh, sort of my in for a few different places. And it uh, I don't know if I. I'm, I'm too shy about promoting the book or talking about it, but it hasn't really panned out like I, I, I hoped it would. Hmm. I mean, um, Unity runs a, a conference every year called Unite, yeah. and this year it was in uh, Montreal, or last year it was in Montreal, which is, uh, you know, hop, skip, and a jump away from Toronto. You just have to hop a train. So I thought, you know, I was one of two published authors on Unity. There were only two Unity books out on the market, and this was the Unite conference, <laughs> and I was not quite a local, but, you know, pretty close to it, and I had, you know, submitted a, a, a talk idea based on, you know, I had already asked them, you know, what they were looking for for the conference, so I submitted a talk idea, and you know I don't want to sound like sour grapes or anything, but uh, you know I thought I thought for sure you know if there's anything that lines up really perfectly, uh, this this is going to be it, and uh, yeah, it didn't uh, didn't pan out. So hmm, I don't know, it was weird, but but they had me. I was I was really honored to be able to speak at uh, Flash Game Summit uh, oh, yeah. in San Francisco. Just they run it a day before GDC, and I, I find it's an excellent conference. It's put on by you know sponsored by Flash Game License and and, and Moshi and uh, Unity was actually sponsored sponsoring it this year and a few others and so yeah, that was run a good time. By Mochi. Yeah, that's yeah. right, that's right. Seb, Seb, you've spoken there as well, haven't you? Yeah, I was there the year before the last one. You know, my talk seemed to go down really well and and you know, I hoped maybe I don't know. I hope I've got a little bit of a profile in that community that might be worth it. I don't know. Sure. I mean, isn't isn't speaking like writing a book? Speaking is supposed to be one of these things that has some kind of residual benefits, right? It absolutely does. But and, then... and that's why I do it. But <laughs> 
you know, it's like I can't, I, I, I don't get money for doing it. I don't get paid for doing it. But if I don't get my, and I, I, I always lose money because of, you know, even if they pay your main costs, you're still paying for like cab rides or transfers or whatever. So, but it's like, of course, you want to minimize the actual cost of you speaking. When you do as much speaking as I do, I would be pretty broke if I had to pay all the time to get places. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean, for me, like speaking, I have found it enjoyable, but it hasn't really got me any work or anything like that. Like yeah. versus blogging, which blogging kind of generates leads for me like every week. So mm. really yeah. tell me about that, because I'd love to, I'd love to hear more. When I write this blog, I was writing it, you know, I, I thought my, my clients are mostly uh, broadcasters, kids broadcasters and TV production companies. And so it's kind of a different world that, that I'm not really in. So I thought I'm not really able to write stuff that, you know, appeals to them or tells them anything new. I can't really address that audience very well. So I started writing more, you know, tutorials and development stuff. Lo and behold, I got this big audience of, of game developers reading my blog, and of course, they're not my clients, they're not paying. So how? what are you writing that gets your actual clients in the door, generates sales um, leads for you? I guess I write more technical stuff. Like, things that have got me leads in the past are, like, my gamepad class, which is kind of like a keyboard input manager thing. Uh, like, some of my benchmarks, like, in speed tests. Writing about paper so vision the... got, me, got me loads of work at the time when paper vision was big. So is the idea that clients go and they say, oh, this looks like a guy who technically knows what he's doing, we'll hire him? For I, to be honest, though, I think it's just showing up on Google. Oh, okay. So it's not it's not so much what I say, it's just the fact of I'm writing about certain topics where if someone needs a paper vision developer and they type in paper vision flash developer, my my name will be somewhere on the front page of links. Uh, that's how I actually that's, it's a really interesting subject, I think. And it's you know, of course I do a lot of speaking and I, I have to sort of ask myself what what is it for? And particularly when I was you know, it's it's kind of like especially if I'm mostly talking to other developers, it's like, well, how is that going to get like plug-in media clients, for example? And of course it doesn't directly, but later on you'll hear things like that they, you know, that one of their devs recommended us or, or at least reassured them that I knew what I was talking about because they'd seen me once, you know, so it's a very, but that's very difficult to track. Mm. Yeah, for sure. I, it, it's funny what you mentioned, Ian, is, is that's the way I got the book deal, actually, because I wanted I wanted to use Unity. I was actually just writing this up in the blog post last night. I wanted to use Unity, um, and, but, you know, I didn't have a project to do and uh, I didn't have the cash at the time to actually self-fund a project, but I wanted to be involved, so I, I would tweet about it and, every, you know, I kept a watch on the Unity 3D hashtag. Whenever there was something interesting I would retweet it and you know I'd talk about Unity I developed a section on my blog called Unity Noob where I would put all the fabulous tutorials that I'd come up with later uh, but just on that just from associating myself I guess I turned up in some searches and it, it eventually snowballed into that that book deal for the Unity book um, so it's a good technique I mean whenever anyone mentions anything you know whenever Apple mentions anything new about one of their new products you know you know come up with a blog post real quick and mention yeah. the product name and you'll know the <laughs> new searches yeah I mean it's a, I wouldn't it's go a skeevy technique but yeah, I wouldn't go as far as that because, yeah, I mean, I draw the line at writing about things that I'm actually interested in and I actually do. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. But the Apple thing, I mean, that was back when Steve Jobs was saying uh, Flash isn't cool. So it was very tied to, you know, my interest in the interest of my readers. Did, sure. did I mention that I got a new iPad? Oh, tell me all about it. <laughs> no, mention it a few more times. <laughs> you know what? I've, I have to cut this short because I literally have five minutes and then I have to get a train. So should we wrap things up? Absolutely. Okay, cool. Uh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what's, what, what's everyone got coming up then basically 
Uh, I'll um, tell you my news. I've been... So I'm trying to set up an evening course at the local college, which seems to have been approved now. So hopefully if we can get 10 people who want to do it, I'll be running an evening course in doing Flash games uh, in Cornwall. So that'd be cool. Cool. Very uh, good. We're working on a game called uh, Spilurium, which is a post-apocalyptic uh, word adventure game, graphic adventure game with a word puzzle uh, component uh, with a hopefully a bluegrass soundtrack. And uh, <laughs> I'm doing the uh, 3.x update of Unity game development uh, by example. And I'm going to be going to Toe Jam uh, in a couple months. That's the Toronto Indie Game Jam. And it's the first time I'm going to work on a team. I'm going to be working with my daughter, Cassandra, who's five years old, and we'll be building <laughs> a game called Sissy's Magical Ponycorn Adventures. <laughs> Cool. <laughs> that sounds brilliant. Oh, yeah, I missed one actually. I'm going to Game Camp as well. <laughs> Me and Amanda are going to Game Camp in which is in oh, London. Who puts that on? In May. Uh I don't know. Gamecamp.org.uk. The Game Camp people. <laughs> yeah. Um but cool. so, lots of the lots of the people we talk to on Twitter are going to be there and it should be really good. Oh, fine. That sounds great. Uh I'm not sure what I'm doing. I'm I've just got this choir project next week that I'm totally focused on. I'm doing the glow stick voting tonight at the D Media conference. I've got some more training courses coming up, and I'm going to America for a couple of months. So, oh, fun! Which which part? Uh, I'm going to be in San Francisco, and then I'm going to Toronto actually for FITC. That's oh, where amazing. you live, right? Let's have lunch. Are you going to FITC? Um, I may, I may not. I'm, I'm looking at possibly swapping it with uh, Casual Connect in Seattle because okay. uh, it was, uh, you know, Casual Connect. Uh, anyway, it's, okay. a bur- it's a burning sinking ship. So yeah, if you're up here, uh, <laughs> drop me a line. Yeah, sure. I'll be there for probably a few days, um, and then I'm, most of the time I'm going to be in New York. Uh, I love New York. I was just there a few weeks ago. Cool. Yeah, I like it too. I've got lots of friends there, so it'd be nice to just hang out for a couple of months. Mm. So I guess that's pretty much it for for this week. So I'd really like to thank you, Ryan, for coming along. That was some excellent content there. I love your story about GDC. It's just brilliant. Oh, so thank so you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having yeah, me. Yeah, thanks, dude. All right, great. How do we wrap these things up again? We just go, bye! Um, so that's the end of our podcast. Thank you very much. Applause. <laughs> and Thanks everyone. Bye. See you yeah. next time. Yeah.